Welcome to the Rooted to Live podcast. It's been a while since I've created an episode, and today seems to be a perfect day. It's the day before Thanksgiving when I'm recording this, and uh, I think maybe today's episode's more about me sharing for myself. <laughs> maybe you'll be encouraged. Um, so thinking about Thanksgiving in the year 2020, here where I live, at least in the in the United States, uh, I live in the state of North Carolina, in the city of Raleigh, and uh, there's a lot of trouble in the world, uh, in our own nation, in our state, and in my little world, and we're supposed to uh, celebrate Thanksgiving tomorrow, or be a people of thanks tomorrow, and I wondered what it'd be like for everyone else trying to figure out how to celebrate Thanksgiving tomorrow. And in my own life, you know, just not thinking about the problems of the world, but in my own life, as, as I'm recording this, um, I've got a lot of my own troubles. Um, my last living grandparent, the one who I was the closest to is probably going to pass away any day now. Um, my father is in a COVID unit uh, with COVID pneumonia in Michigan, and we're talking about ventilation, or a ventilator, I should say. And um, my son, my youngest son, my special needs son, uh, a few Saturdays ago, while I was speaking at a Worldwide Orphan Sunday ministry team retreat about how their ministry affected and encouraged me to step toward adoption. While I was there, my wife had found evidence that my son, whom we have adopted, uh, who has a series of unique needs and challenges, and uh, was found to have been playing with matches that morning, and we had no idea and several burned matches, uh, putting them up to the wall or outlets in the house for some reason, and he can't understand or won't understand why that's bad. And So things are hard. It's hard to figure out what to be thankful for. And on top of that, we have a worldwide epidemic going on, or they call it a pandemic with COVID, and family members that aren't able to gather as they traditionally do. Um, I have brothers-in-law that we want to host and are able unable to come from... Pennsylvania because of different orders and rules and because of precautions as well. And so it doesn't seem fair, you know, or right. And uh, my mother-in-law passed away uh, two years ago and Thanksgiving was a very, very important time of gathering uh, for her and for the family with her. And so she'll be remembered and missed tomorrow. And so maybe this Thanksgiving episode's more around a lament I'm not sure. I'm just trying to share off from my heart and the, off the top of my mind. And there's a scripture, though, that I'm drawn to, one I saw several years ago and had shared with others at one point. And I thought maybe I'd share with you this idea of thanksgiving. What is there to be thankful for? <laughs> How can we be thankful? And there's this passage that was written long ago, maybe in a book that you haven't looked at in a long time, I don't look at it very often. It's the book of Chronicles found in the Bible. And um, 
what we see in First Chronicles 16. Uh, we see this idea of Thanksgiving, but First and Second Chronicles are were really only one book originally, most likely written by Ezra around 450 years before Jesus came on the scene through his birth, that is, and about 500 years after King David's reign. So this book of Chronicles gives the history of God's unfolding plan from Adam to the Babylon captivity, and it was written for the Jews who came back to Jerusalem from captivity in Babylon. But when they returned to their homeland, it wasn't what it was like before. Uh, It didn't look like it did. It wasn't the same. It wasn't as... uh, beautiful, wonderful. And so there's distress and discouragement on top of have been in, being in captivity for as long as they were. So the motive of the author of this book was to show God's people that no matter how bleak it looked, God's faithfulness in the past is the foundation and the basis for trusting him in the present and for the future. So chapters 1 through 15 were written to restore faith that God would fulfill his promises to his people regarding the land, the people, the priests, worship, and salvation to come through the Messiah. And then we read of like this Thanksgiving Day celebration in chapter 16. And uh, it says in verse 1, And they brought in the ark of God and set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. Now this is Ezra writing reminding of people in his time of something that happened a long time ago for the sake of his reader's encouragement. And then when David had finished offering burnt offerings and then peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord and distributed to all of Israel, both men and women, to each a loaf of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins. So, there's a big gift that's being given. At the end of this gathering. All right. So the author is reminding God's people of a great day in their past. Okay, A great day in Israel's history. Back when David became the king, uh, one of the very first things that he wanted to do was get the Ark of the Covenant and bring it back to Jerusalem because the Ark was a vessel of God's presence. So they didn't worship the Ark, of course, but it showed his presence was with his people. And so David brought the Ark of God back to its rightful place. So in these days, their passion was for God's presence to be among them. And the details show us, really here coming up in the passage, a Thanksgiving party. Uh, Way before pumpkin pie came on the scene, of course. There was food, loud praise of the full band. People were worshiping God through offerings, and their hearts were full of Thanksgiving because they knew God was with them. And the ark was back. All right? And so that's what we see in verse 4 here. Then David appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord to invoke, to thank, and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. And then verses verses 5, 6, and 7 list these different priests and the responsibilities they had. Um, They were to play harps and lyres, cymbals, um, blow trumpets regularly before the Ark of the Covenant. And then on that day, David first appointed that thanksgiving be sung to the Lord by Asaph and his brothers. So this was the priest's job. This is what they were to do to have the thanksgiving party together. And so people were worshiping in response to the, the leadership of, of David and the people that he placed the, as priests. And their hearts were full of thanksgiving because they knew God was with them. The ark was back, enemies had been subdued, and David is the new king. 
But remember, though, that this is written to people who needed reminding of God's faithfulness in the past. These aren't the people that are living in King David's days that are receiving the book of Chronicles. This is like, this is a story of something that happened 500 years um, uh, before this was written. And so the people that are reading it are reading of something that happened a long time ago. And I was just wondering, you know, thinking about this, you know, how could being reminded of God's past faithfulness encourage someone in the present? And the answer, of course, is that his is because his character never changes. He is faithful. He's faithful even when we're unfaithful, of course. Verse 7 says, Then on that day David first appointed that thanksgiving be sung to the Lord by Asaph and his brothers. And now 500 years later, people are reading of this and being reminded of God's faithfulness to his people so that they in that present time might be encouraged. And here we are, hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of years later, reading it right now and it's being recorded uh, as I read it to you so David submits a song of thanksgiving to God long ago and what I'm hoping happens within you is a growing gratitude and what happens within me I should say a growing gratitude for God's character and conduct and and to consider how that gives us confidence in him for our times and future so there's really three parts of the song that David's about to sing as Ezra has recorded it uh and so part one is the first four verses here, uh, 8 through 12. It says, um, O give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of his wondrous works, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in strength, seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. So David is creating a song here, writing a song of praise and thanksgiving. And he's, if you look at the commands in verses 8 through 12, there are all these imperative verbs, commands, extolling God, honoring God, thanking God. So would it be fair to say that being a person of thankfulness has to be taught? I mean, David is teaching his own people to be thankful. And now Ezra is reminding people 500 years later of the same principles of thankfulness, coming home to a place that doesn't look like what they want it to look like, but they have been set free from captivity. You know, we have to teach people to say thank you, don't we? We have to teach our little ones to do that. Say thank you. You know, we have Christmas coming up, and maybe you get a gift that you weren't necessarily into, but because of the training your parents probably gave you, you'll say thank you, right? If someone gives you a, a kindness or a compliment of, of sincerity, not one of just like trying to humiliate you, but a compliment of uh, sincerity, maybe it's about um, a service you've given or a talent that you have or of your beauty or something like this, it's appropriate to say thank you. Um, why would we have to be commanded to thank the Lord, though? And the answer to that is because by nature we're inwardly focused. Thankfulness is really shown from the inside out. It comes from a heart, from the heart in response to what has been graciously given. And if our eyes aren't set on what's been graciously given to us, and they're just set on what we still want and don't have yet, it's hard to be thankful. So interestingly enough, thankful people are usually contented people, and gratitude always produces contentment. In fact, Paul writes later on in his letters, I think it's to the young Pastor Timothy, when he says, godliness with contentment is great gain, and it sure is, and I'm still seeking to understand and own the mystery of that sentiment myself. In verse 8 in Chronicles 16, we see that thanksgiving, praying, and singing served as a witness to the nations as a testimony to the power and glory of the Lord. 
So an obedient Israel was to be God's megaphone to the nations so that they too would want to know the true and living God. And I wonder, would that be possible today? Like, is it possible for a collection of believers living in gratitude? um, Could they serve as a sort of megaphone to their surrounding community? Uh, Could our thanksgiving to God somehow attract people in your world or your neighborhood to God? So in the text, the the commands are clear, but what are the reasons or the motivations? That's what we see in the next section of the song, verses 13 through 22. It says, O offspring of Israel, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember his covenant forever, the word that he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute to Israel as an everlasting covenant saying to you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance when you were few in number of little account and sojourners in it wandering from nation to nation from one kingdom to another he allowed no one to oppress them he rebuked kings on their account saying touch not my anointed ones do my prophets no harm So a reason for bringing thanksgiving to God is really found in verse 13, the next part of that song. It says, because God, there's God's grace is found in his, in choosing his people. God didn't choose Abraham because Abraham was awesome. Abraham was really saved out of paganism. No, God called Abraham because God's awesome because of God's own grace. So, and this is the same for anyone who's ever been saved or brought out of their own self, been, been not just resuscitated, but resurrected as spiritually dead to spiritually alive we have a, a we have a natural response we should have a natural response of thanksgiving of thanksgiving of to choose thankfulness today in the face of god's grace that he's shown toward you right you've been adopted in his family or saved into his family another reason for bringing thanksgiving to god is in verses verse 15 of first uh, chronicles chapter 16 inside david's song so not only is god's grace in choosing his people should motivate us to thanksgiving but god's grace in keeping his promises in fact he says in uh, verse 16 um or verse 15 remember his covenant forever the word that he commanded for a thousand generations i mean he's going to be faithful in keeping his promises we see the word lord throughout this song the word lord used here in these verses is jehovah and it's the covenant name of god it's the promise keeping god and so god never breaks a promise Uh, we're not so great at it ourselves Uh, most of us have probably broken a promise but god never has and so david is encouraging people then ezra is encouraging people 500 years after david encouraged people and now here i am trying to encourage myself maybe you to choose to be thankful today for the faithfulness of god keeping his word then there's another reason another reason um, david brings up thanksgiving to god and ezra is reminding people of what david said and i'm reminding myself of what ezra said that david said in verses 19 through 22 when you are few in number of little account and sojourners in it, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account, saying, Touch not my anointed ones, do my prophets no harm. So another reason for bringing thanksgiving to God is because of God's grace in protecting his people. Now let me say, even though God's people suffered a lot, and they did, and some of it was a result of their own sin, some of it by the sin of those who sought to harm them, um, there's reason to be thankful. And I'm sure you have your own experiences of suffering in this world, maybe even right now as you're listening to this. But can you find, if you look back, 
in your life? Can you find evidences of God's ultimate protection? Looking at the people of Israel in the Old Testament, we see the, the record of their own history is a record of how God protected his people. He took them out of slavery and brought them back. And God ultimately protects his people in the provision of rescue, salvation, and resurrecting our spiritually dead selves through the giving of his son, Jesus. So we can have thanksgiving in the grace of God toward us and protecting us ultimately, ultimately in the end. Who can separate you from the love of God? Nothing. Can death separate you from the love of God? Nothing. You're protected in his love. No one can take you out of the Father's hands, I believe the scriptures tell us. So then there's the next part of the song. It moves to part two in the song, a different section. Starting in verse 23, David says, Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. So we see two more commands here on this Thanksgiving day that Ezra was pointing discouraged people to remember from 500 years before. (laughs) Sing to the Lord, proclaim his salvation from day to day. Who is to sing? Well, all the earth, the text says, not just the Israelites. And when? The text tells us day after day. So not just Sunday, right? Every day, including Thanksgiving Day, to sing to the Lord if you dare. Uh, Or just make melody in your hearts if you're not allowed to sing out loud because you might spread germs. So, The text says to proclaim his salvation from day to day. The word proclaim is used in the New Testament for preaching the good news, which gives us the English word evangelize. So their good news they're speaking of took place years and years before. The salvation from slavery in Babylon is what Ezra is pointing to, but uh, here reminding them of that and salvation from enemy after enemy. So what's our good news our, our salvation from eternal separation and death from God and unto our freedom in Christ. Our new identity in Christ. There's something to praise God for on this Thanksgiving. So that's the first thing. The first command is to sing the Lord, proclaim his salvation from day to day. And God's been saving uh, ever since sin had come into the world. What's the second command? Well, verse 24 tells us that. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among the people. I could ask, you know, myself, when was the last time, you know, I shared my story concerning the salvation I found in Christ? You may even say to yourself, well, everyone knows, everyone I know knows that part about me. Well, I just challenge you, I invite you to start with those that you know and do it again. Right? To start over. That's the first command. Is telling the story of salvation. And then the second command was to declare his glory among the nations. That's the second command. How? By telling people of what marvelous things God has done. So for followers of Jesus, grafted into God's family, why should we tell of God's work in our lives? Why should we do that? And the answer is because it was so that people would know him. You know, it's interesting, we're so quick to share, many of us are, not everyone, but many of us are quick to share what's going on in our lives, and sometimes it's a lot of nonsense that we're quick to share with others, sometimes it's really important stuff, but we share a lot of stuff. If you think about, like, your social media accounts, we can share, you know, what's on our plate from lunch tomorrow. You know, we may share about that, or we may take pictures of of nature, or or our family, um, you know, 
record videos of silly things or um, political things. We share a lot of stuff, but what about actually sharing something that God has done in your life? Something wonderful, marvelous, beautiful. And many of us are quick to talk about everything else in our lives except for the unfailing love of God the Father through Jesus has given to us as experience of the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe if we were to do that, we'd actually spur other people on to thankfulness as well. We'd be like an agent of thankfulness. Hmm. So the point of doing this now and back then is the same, so that people would know the one true God. And and that's why the song goes on to compare Jehovah to idols. And this is where we see the reasons for proclaiming and declaring. Why should we do it? Verse 25 uh, tells us these things. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, lowercase g there. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Wow. David is saying he in this song, he is great. God is worthy. He's befriended above all gods because all the gods of the nations are idols or no gods is what he's saying. All the nations surrounding Israel had all their deities and they were all nothing and accomplished nothing. Those deities didn't do nothing for them. We see this theme all throughout the Old Testament especially, but even in Romans chapter 1 verses 18 through 25, we see that. Psalm 115 verses 5 and 8 says, These idols have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. Those who make them will become like them. Everyone who trusts in them. Isaiah 44 is another one. And so it's really important to think through even through this Thanksgiving time and coming into Christmas and the new year and seeing 2020 come to a close. Who or what do you allow to steal your worship and thankfulness to God? That's what idols do. Idols will steal worship from the one true God. And so David is comparing the true God to the false gods and reminding the people that they worship the one true God. And that's something to be thankful for, that they have the one true God. David's lyrics tell us more about the true God in contrast to false gods. Again, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. The true God has created the universe and heavens, David is saying. David is using here the cosmological argument, if you will. He's saying the idols do nothing, but the Lord, the Lord made the heavens. And so God is the uncaused cause. As a result, David believes that all glory is due God and to no one else because of who he is, who God is, because of his splendor and his majesty and his strength and joy. So that's the second part of the song. Then it moves to part three. It says, Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the word is established. The world is established, I should say. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. And let them say among the nations, The Lord reigns. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 35 says, Say also, save us, O God of our salvation, and gather and deliver us from among the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, Amen, and praise the Lord. And it's really the Thanksgiving day that David instituted for his people. What are the commands that we see in this third part? Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Bring offerings, come before him, worship the Lord. Tremble before him, rejoice, be glad. All of creation sing. Why? Well, the second part of part three says that. Because he is the judge, because he is good, because his love endures forever. Give thanks. 
If they knew all this before Jesus the Messiah arrived, how much more do we know now? That God is a just judge and his love endures forever, both. Then you have this climatic ending at the end of this song that David's seemingly spontaneously writing on this Thanksgiving day long ago. A command he makes... He commands the people to make a humble request. And verse 35 says, Save us, gather us, deliver us, as they sing to God. And then we see the, the close in verse 36. Be Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. How could we not be thankful to God when he's given to us that which lasts for eternity, his love, salvation, a forever home and, and family and community? And so the exiles reading this history, remember Ezra is reminding exiles that are coming home to a place that doesn't look like it used to, reminding them of something that happened, you know, 500 years before that, 450 years, 500 years, that there's room to be thankful, that it's a reasonable response to all that God has done and provided for them. The exiles needed this song. We need this song. They need a reminder. They needed the commands of praise and thanksgiving. Even though their city, their nation didn't look like it once did, it wasn't what they wanted it to be. And they longed for God's redemption. But there's room to be thankful. So I thought that maybe we would could use the encouragement as well. I thought maybe I could. And just recording this and sharing it with you. So be encouraged. God will not change and his promises will not change. And all his promises will come to pass. And I invite you to be thankful, even in this time, in this season of life. There's so much to be thankful for. God bless you.